0: If you turn to Galatians chapter two Galatians 2 the first 10 verses here as Paul continues uh, with a message I've entitled "A, a stellar commendation the Apostle Paul was a fierce warrior for the grace of God for the gospel of Jesus Christ and he was unafraid no matter what might happen to him personally he was unafraid of what he would face for the sake of the gospel he, he would continue to preach this message of grace in a place that would be very, very difficult for him to do so. We've already learned that he was a Pharisee. He was a member of the Sanhedrin, so he was part of that religious court that would decide things um, before, the, before the court that would be religious matters. It could be feast days or fines or somebody broke the law. He would decide those things. And so he was decidedly Jewish in his understanding And he knew the law himself so tremendously well that you would think that God would have sent him to minister to the Jewish people. But in fact, he's going to send Paul to minister to the Gentiles. The apostle Paul was that man that when we look at his life, you you would have to say uh, above all else, he was a messenger of the grace of God. The grace of God had worked in his own life, had freed him from the law and from the bondage that it can bring. And now he is going to take and remind us that, look, there is nothing that can be added, should be added, uh, that can ever be accepted as an addition to the grace of God. We are saved by the grace of God through faith. That faith is a gift to us. And God then reconciles our account in heaven um, through the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross it is God's grace alone that saves us and the Apostle Paul had that commendation on his life and I pray that not only we as a church but us as individuals are looking to be that bold that fearless with the message of the gospel because religion doesn't save people church attendance doesn't save people it's good and you should attend church And it's good that you have a practice for your faith. But grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, is what saves us. And so that's the message that Paul is now going to defend here in these first 10 verses. Would you join me? We'll pray and we'll pick up in verse one here of Galatians chapter two. Father, thank you. For your amazing grace lord grace that we have sung about today grace that we worship you for lord that you would pour out your grace in our lives the unmerited favor of a holy god in heaven to us sinful creatures here on this earth that is an amazement to us and we pray that god you would pour out your grace in this room right now lord would it be able to be said about us that lord we are bearers of your grace into this world would your kingdom work be done in our hearts this morning as we study? Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse 1 here in Galatians 2. And then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas. Now, this is an interesting statement because the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9 has this incredible conversion experience. He's on his way, he's breathing threat and murder against Christians. God reaches into his life, saves him, then sends him off to Arabia for a time of training. He kind of went to Bible college in Arabia in that sense. So Paul's finished with that, and now 14 years after that time, he is going back to Jerusalem. The church has grown, the church has matured, but the church is still in its infant state. And Paul is going to go back to the very center of Judaism. The number of Christians in the world at the time were probably in the tens of thousands at the very most. There were millions of Jewish people and their headquarters were in Jerusalem. And so this man who now has been affected by the grace of God himself, who's been instructed by the Lord, is gonna head back to the one place where you could count on some conflict. The one place where that message of grace is absolutely not going to be received. Probably much like some of your Thanksgiving celebrations when you're the only Christian that goes. Amen? And you're, you're talking about the Lord Jesus in your relationship. And your family's looking at you like, here, have a beer. Chill a little bit. Can, can you kind of leave the Jesus thing, the grace thing out? As we don't care about that. They, they want to talk about something else. Well, going to Jerusalem would get you a conversation about the law, about Judaism, about circumcision, about the feast days, and about everything Judaism had to offer. And Paul's going to go right back, and he's going to take the message of grace into that environment. Some of you are doing that right now in your own families. You're taking the message of grace into a religious environment. Maybe your family is deeply religious but they have yet to trust personally in jesus christ as their own lord and savior and so this message can can there be a stellar commendation made about you as you present this grace message in the world that you live in that we live in and i went up by revelation and communicated to them that gospel which i preach among the gentiles in other words he he didn't alter his message He's going to go right back and preach the one message that he's been preaching to the Gentiles for these 14 years. But privately to those who were of reputation, lest by any means I I might run or had run in vain. And so we see here a couple of things in the life of the Apostle Paul. And they're very important things. He never alters the message of God's grace. He never changes the methodology of salvation. He changes only the way he delivers it, given the situation that he's in. And you can see that here in these verses. He says, look, I'm going to go back and I'm going to preach this message that I got directly from Jesus by revelation, but I'm going to talk privately with the Jewish religious leaders because I don't want to embarrass them in front of their peers, I don't want them to feel like they're being attacked. I want to give them the same gospel message, but I want to deliver it in a way that they can receive it. There's an important cultural lesson for us here. The Apostle Paul didn't change the message. He simply changed the method whereby he delivered the message. He understood who who he was talking to. He, He knew that if he just spun off into this incredible grace message without any preface to it, that it wasn't going to be received because these people were inherently Jewish and had been for generations. And so he's going to speak to them in a way that they can understand the message. But he's going to preach with great freedom because that's what the gospel does in our lives. We, we have to be willing to fight for what we believe, family of God. Are you willing to fight for the grace and the liberty that we have in Christ. Because the world loves religion to this day. People actually enjoy being religious. But sometimes when you present the grace of God, they kind of fight the grace of God. I want to spend just a little bit of time talking about who these guys are that are in view in this passage. Because you have three here in the first three verses. You've got, you're you're going to see Paul, you're going to see Barnabas, you're going to see Titus, and then we're going to see also Peter, James, and John. And these guys form the pillar uh, of the early church, whether in Jerusalem or in the region of Judea, or really in what we would call today the Levant or the Middle East. The Apostle Paul, this incredible, gifted Jewish man, schooled under the great rabbi Gamaliel, who knew everything there was to know about Judaism, who now is going to go preach to the Gentiles, is going to be responsible for writing about a third of what you call the New Testament. We call the New Testament. He is going to articulate every single major doctrine of the Christian faith, but he himself was Jewish. He himself understood the law. He understood the feast days. He understood the futility of trying to please God through works, trying to have a relationship with God by earning God's favor by doing something for him. And so when the Apostle Paul turns on the grace spigot, there is nobody better on the face of the earth to show us grace than someone who used to be a student of the law, amen? That's why when someone's been delivered from reliance on religion, can I share a couple things with you? How many of you think that praying is a good thing? Raise your hand. Good, I'm glad. How many of you think that daily devotions, reading your Bible is a good thing? It is. How many of you think that going to church is a good thing? It is. You see, there are lots of things that are good things, but can I tell you, you're not saved by doing any one of those three things. You're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. You're, you're not saved because you pray a lot. Now, you need to pray to receive salvation, but that's a singular prayer offered up one time asking for the grace of God to be applied to your life by believing in the only begotten Son. But for your many prayers, you're not saved. It doesn't save you. By your intense Bible study, while it is great for your personal growth, it's wonderful so that you can know the king that you worship, Bible study doesn't save you. It's awesome that you attend a good Bible-teaching church like this one. But attending a good Bible-teaching church does not itself save you. Religion can't save you. Works can't save you. Only God's grace can save you. And the Apostle Paul is the one that shows us having the background of the world's only, at the time, hear me well, monotheistic religion. One God. There was only Judaism. Every other religion was pantheistic, monotheistic. Religions didn't exist. There was no Islam and there was no biblical Christianity, if you want to look at it that way. It wasn't a known religion at the time. There was just Judaism. And Paul's saying, look, I belong to the world's great monotheistic religion, and I discovered to myself that religion can't save you. Who's traveling with them? Barnabas, the encourager. I love Barnabas we need more Barnabases in the church amen ones that will come along and encourage and in this case it's actually Barnabas that gets Paul into the Jerusalem church and this story you can find in the book of Acts by the way Acts chapter 14 15 16 really is this picture of this Jerusalem council and we'll look at a little part of it today But as you look at the Apostle Paul as he's he's learning these things about the world that he's living in and then sharing the truth of the gospel, he takes along Titus, who is a Gentile believer. And Titus is going to go through all these things. He's going to be used. And then you add in Peter and James and John. These are central to our understanding of the grace of God. If you take the writings of these men... Now, we don't have the writings of Barnabas. We have the writings of Paul. Titus, there's a letter written to him. Of course, Peter, we know he writes a couple of letters to us. James, John. That's how we know what Jesus said. That's how we know what God wants us to do. And yet, these men are going to be persecuted for one reason and one reason alone. Because they preached the grace of God. Because they downplayed the necessity of religious fervor and endeavor towards anything that took away from the grace of God. As you look at what the Apostle Paul, I think, is trying to convey to us, the the word is conveying to us. When you look back at the history of the early church, even Jesus' own family did not initially believe in him. Think about it. So this was not an easy message in a Jewish culture. This was a difficult message. And so we can break this down into a couple of different things, and I want to begin with, there's this first, this private meeting happens here in verses 1 and 2. Paul and Barnabas have returned from Antioch. They've been on their first missionary journey. They're excited about what God's done. In fact, it says there in Acts chapter 14 that the Lord had opened up this incredible effective door unto the Gentiles. And so now they're starting to get attacked. Now there's, there's someone coming against the message of grace. There's this heated argument that takes place. And Paul now starts to condense all these things down because there is going to be a battle for the grace of God. There's still a battle for the grace of God in our world today. How do I know that? Because I have talked to people that believe you must be baptized to be saved. That in fact, baptism itself is what saves you. And in fact, I can prove that that's not the case simply by looking at the cross itself. There are three crosses. One of those two thieves believed, amen? Did he ever get baptized? Did he go to paradise? You better hope so, because Jesus said he did. And yet, there are churches that take away from the grace of God by saying, you need to be baptized. There are churches that will tell you that if you have anything other than the King James Bible, you're probably not gonna spend eternity in heaven. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't use King James English in my everyday walk. I don't walk around, bless thee, brother. How art thou? (laughs) Matter of fact, when people do that to me, I'm a little skeptical. You see, there there are still people that cling to various parts of what should be a part of our, our walk with the Lord. Now, let me say something very clearly. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you absolutely should be baptized. You absolutely should. But the baptism is not what saves you. You are being baptized because you already are saved. And you're telling the world that I'm a believer in Christ Jesus. Amen? It's a public profession of that which has already inwardly happened. So you can add something really wonderful like baptism and you can put it in front of the grace of God. You can put works in front of the grace of God. I've listened to people, well, you know, he does this or he does that or she does this or she does that, so they're not saved. You better hope that's not true. Because if perfection is necessitated, in your pre-salvation experience, in other words, you need to be perfect before you get saved, ain't none of all y'all getting saved, amen? And I'm joining you, me neither. You get perfected after you come to faith in Christ, amen? You start to grow in Christ, that's called sanctification. So we have to be careful because in this private meeting, Paul's sharing these things. He's saying, look, these are things that happen to you afterwards. They are not necessary. It is the grace of God alone that saves you. It's not going to temple. It's not keeping the 613 laws that a Jewish person was expected to keep. It's not going to all the feast days on time. It's not offering up the right sacrifices on the right days. It's not parsing out your mint and your cumin. It has nothing to do with any of those things. You are saved by God's grace alone. Amen? Amen? And so Paul now writes after this private meeting, and we continue the story, verse 3. And we start to see this very public battle for the grace of God. Yet not even Titus, who was with me, being Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. So he takes him into this Jewish environment, and they're going, well, you got to be circumcised. You see, because what they knew about Judaism was every male, if he was going to be consecrated to God, had to be circumcised. And then they would experience a a bar mitzvah. They would have all these things that they would do. They they would put on their kippah. They would wear their talus. They would do all these external things. And that was a sign for sure that you were saved. And this occurred because the false brethren secretly brought in who came by stealth to spy out our liberty, which we have in Christ Jesus, that they might bring us into bondage. To whom we did not yield in submission not for even an hour that the truth of the gospel might continue with you you see they're saying well no you need you need to wear a yarmulke you need to wear a kippa, you need to wear a talus you need to Make sure that you're praying in the right posture. You need to go to the mikveh. You need to go have a ritual bath before you come in, and you need to do this, and you need to do that, and you need to do all these things, and if you do these things, then you're actually a child of God. Know what you need to do is believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved. And then those other things that are sanctification, those other things that are maturation, Those other things that are identification, those other things that will lead to your glorification ultimately in heaven, those things that will happen to you over time, those things begin at that point, at the grace point. It's the grace of God first, and then the other things. It's not the religion that leads you to the grace of God, it is the grace of God that causes you to be holy as he is holy. It's the grace of God working, and people hated it because they have been following the same basic tradition for nearly 1,500 years. When you tell someone that the grace of God alone can save them, and they've been overtly religious for generation on generation on generation, you can imagine there's gonna be a battle for that, amen? The same thing happens at church sometimes. People come into the church, oh, Pastor Jeff, i got to talk to you. Did you know that your tech team is using the devil's color? You had red lights on the stage. You know, I didn't know that the devil created the electromagnetic spectrum. I wasn't sure on that particular thing. I thought that was just part of the visible light that we can somehow see because our retinas and our rods and cones do all that kind of stuff. But no, I don't think it's actually the devil's color. You know, you guys have electric guitars, and, and they're, they rock. And I said, yes. <laughs> and people start to get all religious. It's like if, you know, we worship with a pipe organ, somehow we're closer to God. Now, let me tell you, if you're here today and you love pipe, pipe organs, God bless you pipe organs for Jesus all day. I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. But because we have colored lights or because we have an electric guitar versus an acoustic guitar or a we have an electronic piano, it has synthesizers in it doesn't mean that you're going to heaven or not going to heaven because you listen to one kind of music or another kind of music or have lights or don't have lights. You're going to heaven because God's grace has been poured out upon you. Amen? So what Paul was dealing with was the method of whereby we try and Teach people about the grace of God. And when you're fighting religion, when you're fighting tradition, you are fighting against something that people hold on to very religiously. It's like, well, don't change the color. Don't have the lights move. The lights can be on, but don't have them move. Now, I get it. I, I'm, you know, I am a squirrel boy. Squirrel goes by and I'm like, what? So I get it. I understand. I understand. But if your salvation hinges on whether a light moves or doesn't move, oh dear. Amen? Or if it's an electric guitar or an acoustic guitar, we have a problem greater than that. I'm saved by grace and through faith. And so this battle, we have to be careful because what will happen is we'll start battling the wrong thing. Instead of battling the devil, we'll start to battle each other. Instead of warring against principalities, powers, the rulers of the darkness of this age, we're going to start hating on each other because you like to wear a robe and I don't. Now look, I have have friends, people that I know, they wear the whole collar, the whole thing. God bless them. But the only time I'm wearing a tie is weddings and funerals. That's my gift to you. I will suffer for a little while. No, I just, you you see what can happen? If you start making it about something else, pretty soon you're going to judge my spirituality whether I have a tie on or not. I got a comment a couple of weeks ago, how come you're wearing boots? (laughs) Um, Because they're comfortable? (laughs) Well, you know, bikers wear those. Yeah, I guess they do. And Jesus wore sandals. Do you want me to wear those too? You know, we get so hung up on things that don't matter, we forget what does matter. Amen? we got to focus on what matters. Stop sniping at each other. It's God's grace and God's grace alone that saves us timothy and titus two different results when it comes to this issue of circumcision timothy was part jew part gentile if he was uncircumcised he wouldn't be able to minister with paul to the jewish people it would have been a stumbling block to him so he is titus is going to go minister in a different environment so he's not look we're talking about methods of ministry the same reason that god uses all kinds of different denominations Praise the Lord for our Presbyterian brothers and sisters and our Baptist brothers and sisters. Praise God for our Lutheran brothers and sisters who love the Lord and preach the real gospel. They may do it a little different way. Perhaps somebody really likes liturgy. Me personally, I'm just not that guy. There's was, there was a movement for a long time that the only way you could become a Calvary Chapel pastor is by owning at least 10 Hawaiian shirts. Okay, It's like... I don't know, brother, you're not saved. You know, how many? In closet. Yeah, that one looks like Chuck's right there. <laughs> you're not saved because of what you wear. You're saved because the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, died on Calvary's cross and redeemed you from the grave. <clears throat> Giving you his grace is unmerited favor. Don't worry about what other people are doing. Worry about what you're doing for the King what we're doing for the king. And so we see as we wrap this up a a very personal confirmation of these things. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, makes no difference to me. I love that. You know, Paul didn't care about degrees. Doesn't mean you shouldn't have one. He didn't care about pedigree. Doesn't mean you don't have one. Didn't care about who ordained you. Doesn't mean someone didn't. Didn't care about their affiliation, didn't care about their organization, didn't care about their association. He cared that they were children of the grace of God. That's all he cared about. And I think as a church, there's a lesson for us here. God chose personal favoritism to no man. For those who seemed to be something added nothing to me. But on the contrary... When they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, which makes no sense, amen, he's a Jew. Why is he going to the uncircumcised, the Gentiles? And the gospel for the circumcised, given to Peter, where he worked effectively in Peter's apostleship to the circumcised, also worked effectively toward me and the Gentiles. And then James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived that the grace that was given to me they gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship. In other words, the only thing they cared about ultimately was the grace of God. Do you believe in the grace of God? Are you walking in the grace of God? If we do that, the rest of those things that should be happening to us are going to start to happen. As you're walking in the spirit of the grace of God, you're going to find out your life's going to change. As you're walking in the Spirit and the grace of God, you're going to find out that your cares and concerns are going to be governed by the Lord and not your own selfishness. And we'll get to that towards the end of this amazing book. That we should go to the Gentiles and they did the circumcised. And they desired only that we should remember the poor and the very thing which I was also eager to do. Can I tell you that when the Holy Spirit is at work in the church, the church does the work of the Holy Spirit? The church has the same concerns. You can tell a, a real church that's actually listening to the Lord because they're concerned about the same things, amen? When I talk to fellow pastors, no matter what denomination they're from, you know what they're concerned about chiefly? That people come to faith in Christ, that they grow in Christ, and then they do things that honor the Lord. That's pretty much it. Now we do it a lot of different ways, different spheres of influence, different places, different countries. We, it may not look the same, but the care is, concern, is the same. And it's not a care about colored lights. It's not a care about whether we have candles or we don't have candles. You know, it's crazy what people get hung up on. Our candles we use for communion, they're oil candles. And so those are not real candles. How come you don't use real candles? Um, because real candles drip real wax. And they make a real mess. And so we use oil candles. Well, does that represent the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I suppose it does, but actually they're just candles. (laughs) You see, if you get hung up on whether the electric guitar is, you know, is a specific color, then maybe you're not going to see who you should be worshiping the way you should. If you're going to start listening to the person who's singing instead of who they're singing to, you're probably going to miss what's supposed to be happening in your heart. You see, family, we worship the king. And I want God to personally confirm in each of us that truth. We are a unique body called uniquely by the Lord to this very specific group of people who is very diverse. I personally love that. You you see, sometimes we get so hung up on what we all look like that we forget who saved all of us. Amen? Amen? We start looking, well, you know, the pew needs to be this color or the carpet that color or the wall's this color or the building that color or, you know, we should have this and not have that and do this and not do that. Those are minor things in the eyes of the Lord. They're not things that we should divide over. They're not things that we should overly concern ourselves with. In other words, there are different methods, but there is definitely not a different gospel. Amen? So when you think on what Paul's starting to put forth here. And as this message deepens throughout this book, we didn't have two methods of ministry between Titus and Timothy, in the sense that they were a different gospel. They were just simply different ways to do exactly the same thing, amen? One to the Gentiles, one to the Jews. We might call that denominational thinking. Uh, a certain way to to reach a certain group of people. There's nothing wrong with that, but preach the one gospel. If you preach it in a robe and a collar, praise God. If you preach it in a jacket and Levi's, praise God. If you wear a Hawaiian ephod, praise God. If you have colored lights, praise God. If you've got a pipe organ, praise God, amen? Just worship Jesus. Walk in the grace of God. And let the Lord sort out all those other things that we get hung up on. If we start looking at other churches as competition, then I think we miss the heart of the message. If we start looking at, at, at ourselves as being better and others not, maybe they're, they don't meet our standard, I think we, we miss the beauty of it. Look, not every church worships the same. But the message, the heart of the gospel, should be dead in the center. Amen? You know, we do an hour and a few minute service on Sunday. I'll give you a little secret. You go to Africa and you try and do an hour service, you'll be run out of town as being unspiritual. Because the service there is going to be about three hours of worship. And then two or three messages, depending on who closes. That's how they worship, and it's beautiful in that environment. I do it here. Y'all are gone. It's like a. Where'd they go? We can celebrate those differences. It's a beautiful, I encourage you. Go in the mission field and see the different ways that people worship the Lord. It's awesome. I'm not trying to encourage everyone to dance in here on Sunday morning, but I've been in some services where they aren't stuck to the pew. You know what? I think they love Jesus. I'm pretty sure. Celebrate those things. Just keep the grace of God front and center and the love of God front and center. And honor the Lord with all that you do and don't draw attention to yourself and let God do what God's going to do and let him tell you what method you need to use for what people. And you're, Amen? And then fight for that grace. Everything that we do should point people towards the grace of God. Amen? Would you stand and we'll close in prayer. As I'm... Five, oh, six minutes now. (laughs) Just messing with (laughs) you. Let's pray. Father, thank you, thank you, thank you for that grace that we have been so freely given because you sent your own son to this world to die for us. And Lord, we have believed and received your grace by accepting Jesus as our personal Savior and our Lord. We thank you it's that simple. Help us to keep it simple. And Lord, we pray that you'd be able to commend us to others. Go talk to to Jeff if you want to know what the grace of God looks like in his life. Talk to Calvary Chapel South Bay if you want to see the grace of God in action. Go see what they do. Follow them around and see if you don't see the grace of God. Father, thank you. For working in our lives thank you for being patient with us and kind lord thank you for loving us when we were unlovable and we pray now that you'd use us for your glory bless us lord as we endeavor to bring honor to you cause people to know you and to worship you and to praise you all day every day and in every way we pray these things in jesus name amen